What has the government delivered? Who? Yes, I stand by the statement. Flushies! Who made that noise? He let out a little squeak. Oh, order, order. Point of order, Mr Speaker. It's a supplementary. Uh, my uh, question. It's a supplementary. Supplementary question. Kia ora and welcome to a supplementary question, a politics and current affairs podcast produced by New Southern Nation. I'm your host, Finn Hogan. It's our last episode before the election, so we thought we'd bring you up to speed on the biggest story of the year, arguably the biggest story of the decade. These decisions will place the most significant restrictions on New Zealanders' movements in modern history. The COVID pandemic has sent a wrecking ball through the global economy and claimed at least a million lives. Now to another grim milestone, the world surpassing one million deaths from the coronavirus. In New Zealand, the government's response to the pandemic has launched Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern to historic heights of popularity. I love you, Jacinda! And made unlikely celebrities of public servants. hate you, COVID. I love you, Bloomfield. In the months since the pandemic began, we've learnt a lot more about the virus and the resulting disease. For example, we now know with near certainty that the virus developed in bats and leapt to humans somewhere in Wuhan. We know the virus did not originate from a lab, despite consistent conspiracy theories saying otherwise. And they created the weaponized COVID-19 virus. And while determining a mortality rate is notoriously difficult because there are so many factors involved... We know that this is a more dangerous virus than seasonal flu. But while we know a lot more about COVID than we once did, there are many crucial unanswered questions. So, this week, what do we still not know about COVID-19? This week I spoke to the people at the forefront of the still unfolding pandemic, from those at the coalface of New Zealand's medical response. We won't have a vaccine in New Zealand this year. To those still suffering from the virus, months after being supposedly recovered. And I hope one day my body does fight it off and I can go back to living my old life. And with polls closing on this extended election period in mere days, I spoke to those committed to asking the hard questions of those in charge of our COVID response. You know, these are still fundamental questions that we need to get to the bottom of. Let's start with the latest. The government has signed an agreement to purchase 1.5 million doses of a COVID-19 vaccine. That's enough for about 750,000 people, subject to those vaccines successfully passing regulatory approvals in New Zealand. To be clear, we still don't know exactly which vaccine we'll be getting. We have made a bid for ones yet to be developed. So, while we have a certain amount of vaccine guaranteed, that's nowhere near the end of the story when it comes to vaccines. I imagine you've spoken more about vaccines to more journalists than you were ever expecting to in 2019. <laughs> We do, no problem, it's sort of part of the day job. Mickey Turner is the head of the Immunisation Advisory Centre, and she says while the government has put up the cash for a vaccine, that doesn't tell us when it will arrive. So there are a lot of vaccines now close to the end of their phase three trials, and it is likely that some may be able to be close to licensure by the end of this year. That does not mean they are suddenly available in New Zealand, because once they're licensed, they need to be manufactured, they need to go through New Zealand licensure procedures as well. Don't hold me to this, but maybe early, otherwise the middle or later next year. And when the vaccine does arrive, we can't be sure how many people will actually take it. According to a national survey conducted by Massey University in September, nearly one in five Kiwis said that they need more time to assess the safety of any potential vaccine. Remember, the fastest vaccine ever produced took four years for mumps back in the 1960s. I put these concerns to Turner and she was unequivocal. 
Speedy doesn't mean unsafe. New Zealand's approach is that um, even though things are being sped up, all the steps in the process have to be there and will be there before New Zealand licensing agency will accept a vaccine. Just to reassure people, it hasn't been expedited. It's just that steps have been run in parallel in a way they've never been before. And yes, basically the world put attention on this and they threw a huge amount of resources at it. According to Turner, the biggest unanswered question we should be focused on is how effective the vaccine will actually be. We, we don't know as yet, once somebody's exposed to COVID and becomes sick, how long their protective immunity lasts for. The same applies to vaccines. So the vaccine, wherever it comes from and whenever it arrives, will not be a silver bullet. But what about those New Zealanders who have already had the virus and never truly recovered? There are hundreds of thousands of people worldwide who are young like myself, I'm 26, with no underlying health conditions, and we've had COVID for five months now. You may remember Freya Swarbridge from an earlier piece by News Hub Nation looking at COVID long haulers, patients who have technically recovered but are still suffering months later. I want to debunk the myth that COVID doesn't affect young people and it only kills those with underlying health conditions. That is not the truth. To Freya and other long haulers, the idea that the virus is comparable to flu and is easily beaten isn't just wrong, it's almost insulting. Death's not the only thing that matters in this pandemic. You have to count lives changed. And all us long haulers, our lives have changed for months on end and possibly for the rest of our lives, and that's something we have to consider. I caught up with Freya this week to see what, if anything, has changed. Um, well, it's been nearly seven months, and um, since that interview, I haven't relapsed. So it doesn't mean anything. It just means it's been the longest time I've gone without a relapse. You don't want to get too hopeful, right? Oh, definitely. No, definitely not. Because, you know, I've been good before and then, you know, spiraled down. Our Prime Minister has raked in international acclaim for her response to COVID-19. And while Freya gives credit where credit is due when it comes to New Zealand's effort to squash the curve, she says our politicians are well behind the eight ball in one key area. If I'm being honest, I'm quite disappointed in the response from the New Zealand government because, I mean, I've contacted a lot of people in the Ministry of Health. I've tried to contact Ashley Bloomfield. Um, I've written to health ministers and the response is always, our focus is on preventing the spread of COVID, not on the possible long-term effects. While Otago University is studying the longer-term effects of COVID currently, Freya says there's no reason we couldn't have more of a national-level investigation into long haulers. We have such a small body. We have about, I mean, I'm in contact with 100 other long haulers in New Zealand. That's a very manageable control group. It is the perfect opportunity to study us. We are all willing. There's 100 of us. Study us. And it's going to be better in the future when this virus continues. And you're going to go, damn it, we could have been studying it from the beginning. And Freya isn't the only one let down by aspects of the government's response. Six News reporter Michael Mora has doggedly reported on inconsistencies in the government's handling of managed isolation at the border, particularly the frequency of testing of staff. 63.5% of all border-facing workers and those in managed isolation and quarantine facilities had not been tested a week before the current Auckland outbreak. Now, that was relatively swiftly acknowledged by the Minister Chris Hipkins as... Um, not being good enough. He accepted responsibility. Um, But what hasn't been explained, in my opinion, is why this hadn't happened. What actually was the breakdown? And according to Michael, testing of border staff is not the only issue. 
There's also been um, another really important um, testing strategy that hasn't been implemented properly, and that was on June 9. And on June 9, they came out and said, from today, everyone in managed isolation will be tested twice before leaving and require a negative result before they leave. Now, about a week after that press statement went out, we know that two women left the Novotel in Auckland, drove to Wellington, were they tested positive? Were they tested prior to leaving? Absolutely not. How many other people were not tested prior to leaving? Well, I've been scratching around and I've got the figures and it's more than 700 who still, as of today, have not been tested. Now, while the government has acknowledged breakdowns in testing at the border and now established a committee co-chaired by Sir Brian Roche and Heather Simpson to oversee its response, Morrissey's questions about what happened in the lead-up to our second wave are still essential. And the reason I say that is because if we don't have proper explanation and a thorough um, oversight of these testing regimes, how can we be 100% sure that we're not going to have another community outbreak where everyone, or perhaps all of Auckland, will have to go into some form of lockdown? This is fundamentally important for all New Zealanders because every time there's a lockdown or a surge in cases or some unexplained um, you know, l- virus transmission out there in the public, we, it costs us tens of thousands of dollars every day. It affects people's livelihoods. It, aff- it affects people's families and mental state. So it's really critical that we stay on this issue. And it's certainly an issue I'm planning to stay on regardless of um, the current election. Labour released their full election manifesto this week with COVID-19 mentioned on almost every page. Basically their entire policy platform framed in terms of recovery. This is truly the COVID election. Now, based on current polling, a Labour-led government come next year looks like a fairly safe bet. But whoever holds the reins of power in November, the COVID pandemic will be casting a long shadow over the next three years. Supplementary Question is written and hosted by me, Finn Hogan, and produced by Sam Harvey. We'll be back with you after the election with all new questions.